This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. I know many of you have struggled because you... It was such a cliffhanger yesterday. We introduced this framework of, of Acts 17 of comprehend, commend, and critique, and we kind of put this carrot in front of you that we were going to apply it to the de-churched, and then we ran out of time, and we didn't get to it, and now you have been probably you probably awake. sitting in your car all night yeah, waiting yeah, yeah, yeah. for it to come back on the right My guess is you parked- it was, it was it was only Wednesday. That's right. So you, you don't have to wait a night. Parked your car in your garage and then you sat there until the next morning, yeah. <laughs> until eight o'clock came. With your radio was on. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So, Car's good off. news, we're back. Mm-hmm. And we are going to seek to apply this model to the D Church. And the first area. So, remember, the D Church are not one uniform group of people. And so, the, all of the stats, they've kind of grouped them into different. Well, this is the main reason for this group. This is the main reason. And so we're going to go through the six main categories of the de-churched and then uh, seek to apply this model. So the first is the political issues that drove them away. So this is this is the group that just haven't left, again, a church, but left the church. And their primary motivation was either political disagreement with the congregation or political disagreement with the clergy. So at some point, the church they were involved in or the, the pastor they were involved in uh, began to bring politi- politics to the forefront in a way that uh, brought about disagreement and conflict. And so they've left the church as a result of that. And it could be, I mean, in, in some cases, it, it felt like a priority for these people. They left right. because they said, I, I'm not hearing the gospel very much. I'm What I'm hearing is politics. Right. What I'm hearing is, is about race relations or whatever it might be at the expense of. Right. And so that's involved in that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. So could be involved on both sides of that issue yep. you know the the individual wanted to hear more about those mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. wasn't hearing uh, those things and as a result left he's not he's not uh, he hasn't said anything about uh, voter pamphlets he hasn't said anything about this and so uh, if your church hasn't taken a stand there you know there might be those that have left because of that okay Talk me through it. What does com- comprehend look like um, when dealing with this particular group? Well, like we talked about, it begins with just kind of a curiosity or observation uh, when you're interacting with this individual, figuring out what what was it, which which side of that disagreement are they on? Was was the church they left too political, or was it not political enough? And then you know, just asking good questions and trying to understand why uh, that individual in particular had a political disagreement. Which way? It could be that you might want to just find out what directly was the issue for them why did it affect them so deeply yep mm-hmm. um what was, was there hurt involved was it just a, a carryover from i mean we've got incredible polarization in society at large that creates all of this angst 
all of this fear, anxiety, was that part of it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just have to allow them to to talk through how did it specifically pertain to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that for those of us who have been through a couple elections uh, cycles, you notice that politics is on the mind of people. And so, for instance, you know, when there's a big field of candidates and you begin to talk about character issues, they think you're talking about uh, their main guy uh, rather than just simply what God's word says about that. So they get maybe they might get, uh, you know, uh, feet that want to move out of that. The flight and fight response kicks in. And if it's and if it's something that they can't agree with, oftentimes they'll just leave. They'll leave the room. They'll leave the church. They'll leave everything. So how about commend? What can we commend in this particular group of D church with regard to the political issue? I think it's trying to find um, whatever, however small it may be, some type of, like we talked yesterday, common ground, even telling them that you share their concerns. And now those concerns may be as simple as a concern for the general trajectory of the political movement, whatever side you find yourself on. It doesn't mean you have to agree with their particular position, but that may be a common ground of just relating to them in a very sincere way that you also are concerned uh, about the state of things. It's interesting that um, when Jonathan was talking about the comprehend part, there are people in my own church that are concerned that we're not handing out the the voter guides. Mm -hmm. There are people in our church that speak and say, you guys aren't speaking enough about race relations and social issues in our country. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I found is that uh, you need to listen and you need to then move into this command part. And it, it can be sim- uh, so simple as saying, I also am concerned about the, mm-hmm. the policies of our country. I am so thankful that you care about race relations. And I share that burden that we begin to see everybody as as image bearers of God, however you want to do it. But you he, acknowledge that you've heard, acknowledge that they might even have a position that you can say, no, I, I fully agree with that. And I will say in this area of uh, commending, particularly in the political environment, <clears throat> that you don't become a politician yourself, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. uh, everybody, you know, we get frustrated when our politicians uh, will say one thing, do another, or seem to seem to be just flowing along with the, you know, just you know, stepped into the the stream and just get, are carried along by maybe a popular opinion. I think it here here in uh, commending, you have to point out how the unpopular opinion is also needs. A voice. We need to hear the voice of the minority in order to be able to respond appropriately. And so I think that I have a tendency, as I said the other day, I jump from I, I jump from comprehend to critique too fast. <laughs> but but this is in a big area of critique. You know, I mean, in Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter eleven, Jesus is talking about the generation there, and he says he says they're like children in the street that are saying. We played the flute and you did not dance. We sang the dirge and you didn't mourn. You always wanted something other than what we were giving. Um, you know, when John the Baptist uh, came, uh, you know they didn't want to. They didn't want to grieve over their sin. When uh, Jesus came, they called him a, a, a drunkard and uh, you know a, a, a friend of sinners. You know, so there's a 
problem in accepting the communication and realizing how it applies to you. You want something different. Go on on, on the critique part with this particular group. I think I'll critique those who perhaps maybe bring politics to the forefront um, and make it an issue. And, and I think there, there's a trapping to think that if we could just get our people elected into the right places of power, then we can make what we want. Um, but I, I think there's clear teaching from Jesus that, that, that power is not the posture of the Christian movement. It's servanthood. Mm-hmm. And so to think that we can achieve the, the bringing about of the kingdom of God through political means, uh, I, I think, is, is an error and, and not a means that, that it aligns with, with Christ's mission of making disciples and, and expanding his kingdom. That, that's a question I might ask someone who, who feels like politics is that main ethic uh, or that main purpose for Christianity. Mm-hmm. And when I, Jesus talks about uh, setting up treasures here on earth, and in some way this can apply, whether it's power or money or whatever, looking to this earth and setting up a kingdom, setting up our treasures here, whereas his point is our focus is to be heavenward and the kingdom of God and seeking his righteousness and proclaiming the gospel, having that be our focus. And so, yeah, should the church speak to certain issues? Of course. You know, the Mm -hmm. history of my own denomination is, I mean, we took a very strong stance against uh, slavery, you know, back in the day and we're very instrumental in the Underground Railroad and and the emancipation. Um, You know, yeah, we should when there is something that's contrary to God's word, abortion, homosexuality, we should take a stand for these things, but our focus must never be to, and it must never detract from the purpose of the church is to uphold the truth of the gospel and to proclaim the gospel. Well, you pointed out this Acts 17, people were already hearing something from Paul was speaking. They wanted to hear more about what he, what this religious issue was. And and I think, you know, Paul would go places and, you know, First Corinthians chapter 2 talks about how he would go places and he said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. And because... Uh, and it would go on for the issue. His issue is is faith. You know, he wants them not to rest in the wisdom of men, but in the wisdom and power of God. And I think that uh, we need to keep that as our focus. I want to I want to bring them to the point where their rest, their faith rests in the pow- power of God, not in just you know some political environment. And I think when we even look at Paul's ministry, someone could even look at the fact that he desired to stand before kings and even Caesar himself and say, yeah, we're to be politically involved. See, it's like, well, what's Paul's motivation in that? It wasn't to stir up a political revolution. He wanted those kings to become Christians. Yeah. Yeah. He Almost wanted them thou persuadest me to be Christian. <laughs> is one How often did Paul's citizenship serve his purposes of the gospel? Yeah. Right. His, mm-hmm. The purposes of his gospel never served his citizenship. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think as we as we think about this, and th- this is kind of a hard area because people have such strong feelings. Politics brings out this this strong sense of 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 how things should be and that they ought to be how I see them, and so then naturally then they bring that into a church setting. And our primary mission is the gospel. There are core beliefs that we are called to preach and ca- called to teach. And yes, there are implications of of gospel truths and ethical principles of the word that apply in the political realm. However, that's not primary, that's secondary. Mm. That's an application from that should flow out of the text. And the danger is, is when we seek to impose um, 
as a as a minister, I should be aware of what's going on in society, but my goal should not be that I'm going to address every issue that's going on in society. Mm-hmm. My goal is to preach the text. And I don't have to try to stretch the text to make it apply to some area. The, the text always applies. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be clear on that. The text always applies. I don't have to stretch it to make it apply to what I perceive to be the most important thing of the day. And I, I do actually take a little bit of umbrage with, with people within pastoral ministry that are working way too hard to seek to be, quote, relevant. Mm-hmm. Because the Word of God is always relevant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the way to be relevant is to go to Corinth if you're in the book of Corinthians or Galatia if you're in uh, Galatians. Um, and I think that, you know, on this matter, we can see it in other realms, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, it was not too far back in history that we, people were talking about worship wars. And, uh, you know, the whole worship war was, uh, does, does, uh, is, does music serve the church or do we serve music? Um, that's the issue. Uh, do, does uh, politics serve the church or does the church serve politics? And it's where we're at well we will continue to apply this framework moving forward to different areas of the d church um and just our hope and prayer is that as we think through these different groups that you 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 comprehend you you command and critique in a way that is um as Vinny and, and ryan were saying that serve the gospel that they don't serve ourselves and, and just have to make sure that our our goal is is gospel ministry well Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow.